It's the most persistent problem facing those who seek God and are not afraid to ask the hard questions. The problem of God and evil. It's familiar to all of us, young and old. Why would the all-good, all-powerful God allow evil and suffering? And although it is difficult, there are good answers. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. Dr. Zuckerin is a scholar, author, and speaker who addresses spiritual and cultural issues of concern to all of us. And Pat spoke on the problem of God and evil at the 2011 Hawaii Apologetics Conference. And today we'll bring you part two of that talk. And by the way, the entire conference, which also featured Dr. William Lane Craig, is available on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Along with the conference, you'll also find articles, books, interviews, and past radio shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. Check it out today at evidenceandanswers.org. And now let's go to Pat Zucharin with part two of The Problem of God and Evil. Why we don't know a good purpose for all evil? Well, we don't know all things. There's a lot more going on than we could possibly understand. But an all-knowing God knows all that is going on. The classic example is there's a farmer down the road who is praying and saying, God, bring rain. Because if you don't bring rain, my harvest uh, is going to be destroyed. So bring rain this weekend. And just down the road, you've got a marching band saying, God, give us sunshine, all right, so that we can have our marching competition and we're favored to win. And, and when we win, we're going to, you know, bring glory to the name of God, all right? Well, God's got to answer one of those prayers. And whichever one he answers, the other one is going to be disappointed. You know, I was in the emergency room one day. I had taken a karate kick in class right there. And so, you know, I'd broken my nose and it was just bleeding profusely. And I saw a lot of things in that emergency room. You know, um, one funny thing on a side note here, I was in my white karate gear and I was sitting down, just blood all, all down here. And I was just sitting in the chair with cotton up my nose and everything, just sitting there. And a guy comes next to me and he's got his martial arts t-shirt on and he sits next to me and he's got his arm in a cast and pins are in here and he sits down next to me and he goes, greetings, fellow martial artist, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, I was uh, wandering through the emergency room and I saw that in one room, you know, there were Christians praying uh, that their father, who had had a heart attack, uh, would be healed and restored to health. And in the, you know, there's just a thin curtain there, and right next to him, there was a family with a child praying, you know, for a kidney transplant. Okay? Now, just imagine, you know, this probably goes on more than we know. If this father has a matching, you know, it's a matching blood type for this particular child who needs a kidney badly, well, which prayer is God going to answer? You know, whichever one he answers, there's going to be someone disappointed here. You see, there's much more going on in the whole picture than we can possibly imagine. That's what Job came to understand, isn't it? You know, when Job went through his trials, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know that there's a cosmic battle between Satan and God going on here. We know about it because we read the story of Job, but Job doesn't have a clue what's going on, that the outcome of this battle will have consequences that affect the destiny of mankind. Right? And there's a cosmic battle going on here between God and Satan. Job doesn't have a clue. He just knows his family is instantly killed. Uh, all his business is taken away suddenly. And he's sitting there covered in boils. And his wife comes up to him and says, Why don't you just curse God and die? Right? How bad does it get? 
when your wife tells you, curse God and get out of here, right? And, and throughout the book of Job, Job challenges God three times to a debate, right? He says, God, you know, I want to debate you. I want my day in court in front of you because if I debate you, I think I'm going to win, all right? And then later in the second time, he goes, you know, if we had that debate, I think I'd lose, you know, but I'd still like my day in court. And uh, he kind of goes back and forth. And, and in the final chapters, in chapter 40, does Job ever get an answer? No. No, God comes to him and asks Job three questions, right? Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Can you capture these magnificent creatures that I have created? I uh, asked him several of these questions. And finally, in the end, Job says, I've seen things too wonderful for me to speak of. I sit here in dust and ashes. Job realized what? There's something far greater going on that only God understands that he cannot fathom. And therefore, he is called simply to trust in God. There's things going on way beyond that he could not possibly understand. We don't know all things, but God does. And God can use the evil and suffering to bring about his purpose in our lives, which is always for our good and his glory. The Bible reveals some reason why God allows evil and suffering into our life. Some pain has a good purpose. You know, pain in my chest tells me to get to the hospital. We learn more from pain than pleasure. Most enduring lessons come in our time of great struggle. Hebrews 12, right? some of the pain comes as God is disciplining his children. You know, I get to travel a lot and sit on airplanes. I get to sit next to a lot of children. Ever sat next to an undisciplined child? It's the worst, worst four-hour flight you could ever have. But when you sit next to a disciplined child, what? Man, it's terrific. And you have some of my best flights occurred sitting next to children, talking with them, uh, sharing things with them, playing with their toys with them. But when you got an undisciplined child on the airplane, oh man, it's absolutely horrible. Character formation, Romans 5, 4. And also, our suffering reminds us of our need for God. Second Corinthians, Paul prayed, what? That the thorn in his side would be removed. And we have good evidence that, that that was probably some kind of physical ailment. Many think it was cataracts because in Galatians he writes, See with what big letters I write to you with. So if it was indeed cataracts, he prayed that God would heal him. And three times God said what? No, my grace is sufficient for you. Why was that? Well, it was to protect Paul from a greater evil. Paul being a tremendous scholar, a man who had planted churches all over the Greek world, would have got extremely proud. And that thorn in the side kept him humble and dependent upon God and reminded him constantly his need for God. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, writes this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And all-knowing God knows the end of all things, and all good God wants to bring all things to a good end. An all-powerful God can bring all things to a good end. Therefore, all things, including suffering, will come to a good end. Only a theistic God, the God of the Bible, guarantees that. God is love, and He is perfect in His love, perfect in His wisdom. He is holy. He cannot do what is evil and unjust. Therefore, He guarantees a good end. Our suffering, our experience of evil, God can even use that to bring about his purpose in our lives, which is always consistent with his character, which is love, which is righteousness and holiness.
Well, the religious problem of evil. How do we deal with the evil and suffering that we encounter? How does the atheist deal with that answer? You know, when I was with Luke on the radio, he said, if God exists, why are so many children born with defects, physical defects, suffer for no reason and live meaningless lives of suffering and torment and die? How can a good God allow that? And I said, well, Luke, I said, how do you answer that question? I said, because you've got a real problem here. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, according to the atheist, the universe is an accident. And there's really no intended purpose for the existence of the universe. And really, there's no intended purpose for our existence either. We're simply an accident. And he said, well, that's correct. And I said, if man is an accident with no ultimate purpose, ultimately, ultimately, we live meaningless lives. And the only future we have to look forward to is what? Death. Our death. And as the universe continues to expand, it'll reach a state we call final entropy, and the universe will come to an end. The universe is going to die. Therefore, the only certain thing we have to look forward to is death. And when mankind is extinct, when the universe has died, what difference did it make that it was ever here? Ultimately, it makes no difference. Therefore, our existence, including our suffering, really has no ultimate meaning. So I said, as an atheist, what message do you have for this child? Well, this is the message you have as an atheist. You know, he was quiet. And I said, well, here's your message, Luke. You're an accident. There's no intended purpose for you to be here. No intended purpose for the universe to be here. You're going to live a painful life, suffer a meaningless existence of suffering and torment, and then you're going to be extinct forever. Good luck. You know, I said, that's the answer you have to give. For the pantheist, the world is an illusion. One must detach from the things of this world, for it is an illusion. Hey, but that's a denial of reality and a denial of your humanity. Remember in Star Wars, when the young Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, has these visions of his wife suffering, you know, Padme, and he goes to the master Jedi Yoda, and Yoda says, what kind of visions do you have? And he says, well, I have visions of pain and suffering. He said, someone close to you? He said, yes. And he said, be careful, young Anakin. Do not attach your thing. Do not attach yourself to things of this world. That leads to, to desire and emotion. And those lead to the dark side. Right? What's the pantheist answer? This world is an illusion. Detach from this world. Okay? Well, that's a denial of your humanity. That's a denial of reality. I think it's only Christianity that offers a reasonable answer to the problem of pain and suffering. And it's only Christianity that can offer a message of meaning and hope in the midst of suffering. You know, a few years ago, we suffered a tremendous blow uh, in my life personally and in the ministry. We thought all things, uh, as far as the ministry, were coming to an end. I had turned in my resignation, sat down with the Board of Probe Ministries, my personal advisory team, which included uh, my pastors and others. And uh, we sat down in that conference room together uh, after years of praying that God would resolve the situation, and He did not. Just things just completely got worse and out of hand to the point where we were all completely discouraged. And I was just, uh, I turned in my resignation. I had just about had enough, and I thought things were over. And we sat down in that room in silence uh, for about a good five, ten minutes. Nobody knew what to say. And finally, one of my closest advisors kind of said something that we were all afraid to say. He just said, you know, we prayed for so many things, and God has not answered one of them. 
If he would have just answered one of our prayers, there might be some encouragement here. But he hasn't answered anything. You know, and we were just all kind of silent there, realizing he had voiced uh, the struggle that we were all going through at that time. And as I went through this whole process, I came up with four principles that I hope you find helpful in dealing with evil and suffering that you encounter in your life. Number one, eliminate false beliefs. There are no cliches or easy answers that make the pain go away. Even if you meet the wisest individual who can explain to you the reason of pain and suffering, it's not going to make the pain go away. There's no cliches or easy answers. Pain and suffering are part of the Christian life. This whole idea, that's why I think the health, wealth, prosperity gospel is so dangerous. Okay, this idea that God will shield us from suffering and always deliver us is false. You know, read the Bible. All the people, men and women of God, went through times of, of great pain and suffering. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter writes this. Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. It, isn't it amazing that we get so surprised when we go through times of, of pain and suffering? And Peter says, hey, don't be surprised if something strange is happening. That's part of the Christian life. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says this, Although Christ was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. If Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering, how come we think we're supposed to be immune from facing evil and encountering times of trial and suffering? So eliminate false beliefs. Second, God is our source of strength and comfort in our time of suffering. God does not promise to deliver us from our time of suffering. But he does promise to be with us through it all. He says what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. God understands clearly and is with us through the darkest times of our life. And we know that God is love. We know he understands. We know he's in our midst. Why? Because he did not sit passively aside and watch us go through it. He didn't, he's not watching us in our time of suffering saying, Oh, hey, good luck. Hope you make it through, man. You know? No. Remember, God left heaven. He left the throne of heaven and entered into our world to suffer alongside with us and experience the pain that we brought upon ourselves. This is how we know God understands that we can trust Him and lean upon Him in our time of need. That's what makes the God of the Bible so unique. God did not stand by idly or indifferently, but He entered into our world and shared in our suffering. God entered our world, experienced our pain caused by the sin that we created. Therefore, He knows and, and He understands. Does God know what it's like to have an unfaithful spouse? Yeah, read the book of Hosea. It's one of the most powerful images of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. Does God know what it's like to lose a child? Sure he does. Upon the cross when Jesus says, cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn away at that point and allow Jesus to experience the totality 
the repercussions of sin, the sins of mankind of which he was innocent of. When Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if it be possible, take this cup away from me. And God did not answer that prayer. God know what it's like to lose a child? Certainly. Does God know what it's like to have a rebellious child that turns away? Certainly. You know, millions of people enter into eternity every day, giving God the middle finger, saying, I don't want anything to do with you. God knows what it's like to lose hundreds in a genocide? Certainly. Read the book of Jeremiah. And when the Babylonians came and destroyed in Jerusalem, God had to allow that to occur for this uh, judgment of the sins of the nation of Israel. Third, there is purpose to our suffering, even if we cannot see or understand why. You know, when I answered Luke, I said, Luke, for the Christian, our pain and suffering is not meaningless. There is a purpose to it. God has a purpose to it. Building our character, making us more like him. Right? There's reasons for our suffering. We don't suffer in vain or meaninglessly as a naturalist. From, uh, from a, but a, from a naturalist worldview, you do. But as a Christian, no. Hey, our pain and suffering does have a purpose. And I said, Luke, you know, some of the most inspiring people I know, whom I've learned more about what it means to live and overcome, come from people who are tremendously handicapped. Is it Jerry, Joe, Wojcicki? Guy with no arms, no legs, goes around the world speaking. Tremendously inspiring uh, story. I'm more inspired by men like him, Johnny Erickson Tata, and others, than successful athletes who, you know, had it all and, and, and win the Super Bowl and come up and say, hey, you can do the same too. I'm much more inspired by those. And I said, so you see, Luke, those who are born handicapped do not suffer meaninglessly. There's purpose to our suffering, even if we can't understand or know why. You know, in my time of great suffering, Job and I became good friends. And as I read through the book of Job, I realized what it means to be a mature believer in Christ. The immature believer says what? You must always answer my prayer. You must, I demand an answer for what I'm going through. You must, you're obliged to give me an answer. And when they don't get it, they say what? Later's with you, I'm gotta hear. But Job, Chapter 13, verse 15 is the theme of the book of Job, and it's one of the greatest statements of faith in the Bible. Remember, Job doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know there's this great cosmic battle that will determine uh, the fate of mankind between God and Satan. Here, he doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is this tremendous disaster has fallen upon him suddenly, and he does not know why. And they're sitting in a pile of ashes, covered in boils, with his wife coming up to him saying, just curse God and die. Job gives one of the greatest statements of faith given in the entire Bible. Job 13, 15. Yea, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Or some of your translations read, even though he slays me, I will continue to trust in him. Truly mature faith says what? When I can't see why, Yea, though he slay me, yet will I continue to trust in him. When we can't understand or know why, we are called to trust in him. Job 13, 15. And when you can get to that point, then a lot of the pain and the bitterness and the anger that you feel, you'll see begin to subside. When you can get to Job 13, 15, that's the point you need to get to. 
Though you cannot understand why. Sometimes you'll understand why, like Joseph did in Genesis 50. Sometimes you won't. But you need to get to that point. Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I remember going to the, these developing countries, Philippines, Uganda, where they've suffered tremendously. And I remember talking to a, a lady in the Philippines. Her husband had abandoned her with four kids. She was struggling to make a living, and she had just been diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I was talking with her in, in church. She was talking with me, and she was smiling, and she was telling me her story. And my heart nearly broke, and she looked at me, and she smiled and said, But God is good. God is good. Praise the Lord. And she meant it with all her heart. And I just thought, wow, incredible. If I get into a car accident, the world's come to an end. You know, where is God? Deliver me. Oh, my world is coming. How, God, how could you let this happen? You know, but here's a woman uh, who's got nothing. Even her health is now deteriorating, looking at me, smiling, saying, God is good. God is good. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I was in Uganda. And in Uganda, uh, I was talking with, with a young man and I said, what's the difference between American Christianity and Christianity out here? And he said, well, you Americans don't understand pain and suffering. You guys don't have a theology for pain and suffering. When, you know, you Americans lose a child at birth, you know, you abandon your faith in God and the whole world comes to an end. I said, yeah. He goes, for us here in this country, we're going to lose half our kids to malaria. You know, so if we have eight kids, we're lucky if four of them are going to make it to adulthood. And we're burying our kids all, all the time. You know, he looked at me and he just said, you know, but God is good. God is faithful. God is good. I just looked at him and I said, wow, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, I was interviewing Gary Habermas not too long ago on our radio show. And uh, he was telling me these stories as well. And I said, you know, Gary, um, recently, I think in the playoffs, the New York Jets had to cancel their game because of too much snow. And I think it was the governor or the mayor of New York, I think it was the governor, who said, man, we're a nation of wusses, you know? Back in the day, we'd brave anything to get out there to sit out there outdoor in a football game here. We're a nation of wusses, wusses. And I said, Gary, you think we American Christians have become a bunch of wusses, spiritual wusses? You know, because man, when we face suffering immediately, what are we doing? Oh, how can God do this to me? Oh, we're ready to walk away from our faith. When we look at our brothers and sisters in the developing countries who go through much more, and they can look and smile at us and say, but God is good. Praise the Lord. Finally, number four, there is hope. First Thessalonians 4.13, Paul states, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. God is working, even in our times of great pain and suffering, bringing about his purpose in our lives, even if we can't see or understand it, and it's always for his good and for his glory. And remember, this is not the end of the story. As Paul Harvey always said, this is not the end of the story here. One day, our suffering will come to an end, whether Christ returns or we go to be with him in eternity. It will come to an end. This is not the end of the story. We're so focused on our lives here, thinking everything is about here. No, it's not. Hey, we're going to spend a lot more time on the other side of eternity's door than here. And as I ended my uh, radio debate or discussion with Luke, I said, you know, Luke, ultimately, for that child who is suffering, his suffering is one day going to come to an end. He's going to sit with God and Christ in glory forever and ever, fully restored in his glorified body, and his suffering is going to come to an end. So I said, it's only Christianity that can offer a message of reason and of meaning 
and of hope. I said, that's something atheism cannot offer. And his response was, well, how do you know that's not just pie in the sky, wishful kind of thinking? You know, false hope is dangerous. Then it's more dangerous than reality. How do you know you're not just giving people false hope? I said, I know because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, how do you know that's true? So I went on to defend the resurrection. And I said, as Christ rose from the dead, so will we one day and share in glory with him. Atheism and its philosophies cannot offer a reasonable answer or a message of meaning and hope, nor can the pantheistic worldview or its religions. I believe it's only Christianity and Christian theism that can offer a meaningful, a reasonable answer to the problem of evil and suffering and a meaningful message of hope even in the midst of evil and suffering. So the problem of evil is not one that should thwart you as a Christian. It can actually boomerang and give you a powerful presentation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we have run out of time today on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharin. Pat's teaching on the problem of evil is part of the 2011 Hawaii Apologetics Conference and it's all available on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. This exciting conference also featured Dr. William Lane Craig joining Pat on topics like science and religion, the existence of God, can we be good without God, the new atheists and their case against God, and the problem of God and evil. Download this conference and you'll take your study of these crucial topics to the next level. So go right now to evidenceandanswers.org. We also invite you to support us financially. Your stewardship and giving helps keep Evidence and Answers on this station and keeps Pat speaking all over the world. Today, more than ever, people need biblical answers to their questions about God and His love for us and the evidence to support those answers. So please let us hear from you today. Just click the donate button.